we are going to move along. We're going to head to Alabama this time. Frank, welcome to the program. Hey, I had a question for you. What are your thoughts on Ozempic and uh, what is it, Wago? Wigo? Wagovi. Wagovi, yeah. My and, doctor said. And, that- na- and now Manjaro. Before you say one more word, I want to ask you how long you've been listening to me. A long time. Really? And, I just and, can't remember what you said. And, yeah. and you have to ask this question? I'm shocked. <laughs> well, I know, I know how you want everything to go or keto and everything's perfect, but adding that, what? Why add that? Why add a toxic drug that's a thousand dollars a month when you don't, when, when we have thousands of stories who people have lost more than a hundred pounds without those drugs, why would we need the drugs? Yeah, there's only one reason. There's one reason. Let's just get it out. There you go. Right there. That's the only reason anybody would look to these drugs. They want the easy way. The easy way doesn't work. This is one of the worst ideas I have ever seen in health. I don't know if I can state this strongly enough. Listen carefully. This may be one of the worst health ideas I have ever seen. I just wanted you to reassure me. Then then let me say it again. This is one of the worst <laughs> health ideas I have ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. Here's here's the thing. I, 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 I here's what here's what I'll do instead. I wish I could find 10 people who wanted who were willing to spend a thousand dollars a month to lose weight. Come I'll I'll invite all ten people here. I have room in the house. I will cook for you for a month. And we'll see what happens. You want to try that? (laughs) And instead of giving all that money to the drug company so they can poison you, give that money to me and I'll teach you how to do it right. But see, I don't even charge for it. I teach everybody how to do it right for free. So what is the, what is, because for diabetes, they want to give it to you, but it, is that, why is it making you lose weight? Because it, it impacts appetite. It impacts hormone levels and appetite. So you just don't eat as much. Guess what else impacts appetite? really powerfully, far more powerfully than this drug does. You know what controls appetite really well? A good carnivore keto or ketovore diet. Absolutely controls no, appetite. We hear it from everybody. I was actually going to do both, but I, I just was wanted to be reassured. So I will promise you, if you do both, your outcome will not be better than just doing diet. It will be far worse. So if you want to spend $1,000 a month and go through pain and misery and side effects to get a worse result, then go ahead. No, I don't. It's scary. Good. I just Good. hear all these stories about it. And I'm what, like, well, well, wait yeah. a minute. You're not following up with the rest of the story. 
Go follow some of those people who stopped taking it and find out what happens. Right. You don't hear that. I don't hear that. No, it's out there. If you go look for it, there's plenty of stories out there. The weight comes screaming back. Right. So do the math. How long do you expect to live? And are you willing to spend $1,000 a month for the rest of your life? To lose 35 or 40 pounds, that seems to be the max. Nobody ever seems to lose much more than that. Whereas keto, there is no max. If you are 400 pounds overweight, we can we can make it so you lose all 400 pounds, not just 40 of them. Yeah, I got you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I had a different question. Sure. I run an off, I run, I have a wine hall where I run wine back to Illinois from California. I run new equipment, but I bought a truck last year. It's got 70,000 miles on it, but it's been in the shop a month and a half already for, uh, transmission related issues. What first time was the MTM on top? wasn't working right and now it's set for a month for uh for me to get a wiring harness from pat car and at what point do you consider getting rid of this truck i i would have considered that before i ever bought the truck well i got what i did is replaced it with the hoods i had i got no okay so there's a there's a good step. You replaced a non-aerodynamic truck with an aerodynamic truck. But tell me about the specs. It's 279 rear ends with a 12-speed endurance, 485 pack car. Yeah, see, I, it, part the of the thing gets seven and a half miles to the gallon, but it. Wait, 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 Frank, Frank, you said seven and a half miles to the gallon like it's a good thing. Seven and a half out of a new truck is awful. Nine should well, be the minimum. Well, no, don't compare to what you had. Compare to what's possible. Mm-hmm. You're spending yeah. a couple hundred thousand dollars here for a vehicle that you're going to use a lot. It's the most critical part of your business. I am not a fan of Packard, that their engine has not performed well at all in this country. We don't understand it right. We're not specking it right. We don't have technicians that know how to work on it. Now we're combining it with an endurant transmission. And I just don't like that whole business model. I think Packard has a big problem. I think Packard should buy Cummins and yeah, just get yeah. it over with, or Cummins should buy Packard and, and build a proprietary truck like everybody else is doing. There's a reason they're building proprietary trucks now, and it's working. But Packard and Cummins are behind the curve on all of this stuff. So for that reason alone, I wouldn't know. Nine miles to the gallon. Holy moly. That should be the minimum you expect when you buy a new truck today. Anything beyond 2020, for sure. You should be expecting nine miles to the gallon. And here's why I won't buy a Cummins pack car combination, because I can't build one that will get nine miles to the gallon. I can with every other truck. Yeah, the other truck is a Cummins. 
Yeah, see, I I'm not. Had a I'm, lick of trouble with that one. Well, I, I'm still not a big fan of Cummins, but I'm glad you haven't any problems with yours. But I, I when should you get rid of this truck? I, you probably shouldn't have bought it. I, um, I got. I pay, I paid one seventy for it. I mean, I got lucky. That same truck now is two eighteen. I know. I know. The same dealer. Um, and it's just the, a, not even a fancy model truck or anything. Here, here's the thing. Um, we, it, part of, if you look at the show, how we've built this show, we've got Steve Crone running an international. We talk about Steve a lot. We bring him on occasionally. We'll probably start bringing him on more. We have Henry, who's really got the Freightliner platform nailed down tight. We have Joel, who has the Volvo platform nailed down tight. Um, next week, I'm going to do a show with Jamie Hagan. He's got the Mac platform nailed down nice and tight. That's what it takes these days. The, all these trucks are so yeah. different and so proprietary. I don't even attempt to try to figure out all the details on all these platforms myself. That's why I'm going out and finding the people that have done that work. And I will tell you that there is nobody that I can bring on the show that can help us with pack car Cummins builds uh, it, we, nobody knows how to build these things right and there may not be a way when you look at the architecture of that engine it's awful well I got a couple more to get so maybe I'll try Volvo now uh, like I said you you can spec really good trucks with Volvo with Mac with Freightliner and pretty soon I think International may be back in the game because they have some executives from Volvo who have brought Volvo's game plan over to International and I hope they pull it off. Well so that's an international engine. There the new International engine looks off an awful lot uh, like Volvo architecture. Yeah, it might be. I get confused on some of this. Yeah. Yeah. But but the idea of getting away from international for some reason, I think it was that Hebe guy that that started the problems over there. um, They wanted to be contrarian on everything. Instead of going with DEF, they wanted to go with double EGR. I mean, they they thought that they had a better idea on how to do all of this stuff, and they failed every time. Now I think they're looking at the available engines and looking at architecture and saying, look, this type of an architecture makes a lot of sense. Great. Yeah, yeah, the other one that gets left out of that, which is nice because most of the same specs because it's still deep for its worse than car two now, especially now they have the new cab and front end. Once they built their aerodynamic model, I said for a long time, when somebody asked me, what truck would you build if you went back into business today? I said it would be a Western Star with a DD-13. And I would learn how to spec that DD-13 the way I wanted it. We'd be getting awesome fuel economy and you'd have better quality in the Western Star. That, that to me, you start comparing quality, you're getting much closer to the Volvo quality. Yep. All right. Well, it looks like we uh, we have run out of calls. Um, I never heard back from Joel. He must not have ever got a good signal. John got busy and said he'll try to join us next week. So uh, 
Henry, anything you want to wrap up with well, today? Yeah, yeah, we got to pick on Joel. Evidently, if you drive the truck like he does, you need a cell phone booster. Evidently, the cell coverage out of them is terrible. Uh, you know what? What's shocking to me? We took our show. I know we we took our show mobile back in 2010. I think it was. I think I started working on it in 09 was able to pull it off in 2010 and we had we had a complicated expensive setup to do it. I had a satellite system that cost me about $15,000 to get a, a horribly slow satellite signal with lots of restrictions on data, but it was stable and I knew I could always count on it. Um, if I didn't have to use the satellite, I had a AT&T card, a Verizon card and a Sprint card and I had a device that I could put all three SIM cards into and connect my satellite to that box, and it would aggregate all four signals. And that's what it took for me to do the show back then. And then over time, cell service got so much better, I was able to drop the satellite and only use the cell service. And then all of a sudden, I went on that trip last year, that big long trip, I was on the road for months, and the cell service sucks now. I couldn't count on a good signal to do my show hardly ever, no matter where I was, in the middle of a good-sized city. I, I would It would be screaming fast, but it would drop out for no apparent reason. And in audio, you can't really yeah. have that. So now I'm back yeah. to the satellite again. So now I have the, a Starlink system. Elon Musk saves the day again, and my Starlink system is so good that I'm pretty sure I'm just going to put one on my house and get rid of my fiber optic because it's been a pain in the ass lately. Well, yeah, they say a lot of that on the cell phone. So I've gotten a new cell phone, and I couldn't believe everything was terrible because this one was the new, what is it, 5G now? And... A lot of folks have said it that five G network hadn't worked out quite, or the transition, or however it was. But I've had more problems since I went five G than I ever did when I was four G. Yeah, and the crazy thing is because I, when I stop in a place, I've got systems and I test the speed, I test the latency, I test the stability of of every signal, and then I pick you know the best one. My and. When 5G first came out, I was blown away by how fast it is. You can get 5G signals that are just screaming fast. They just don't seem to be very stable, though. Okay. Yeah, I've had terrible luck since then. I mean, one place is just outside Atlanta, Georgia, where you think you'd be doing really well, right? And I've, I, and I've had to do exactly radio, I know. radio shows and conference calls from there. You got to find a place to stand just right with one foot up in the air and your arm holding the right way to. Yeah, right. And, and yeah, you're wrong. and when you're talking about, see, if, if people only use this to scroll the internet, you don't realize how many times your signal dropped out completely because the software can make up for it. It, it it caches data and it can stream at different speeds. It, so you don't even realize, but with audio or video, if a signal drops, you absolutely know it. 
There's no audio coming across or there's no video coming across. There are some technologies that can make up for that a little bit, and I use them, but it's not foolproof. If you lose a signal for too long, you just lost the signal and no audio is being heard. Right. So hopefully uh, well, that, that gets better. But for now, we're just um, we're just going to start using. I've got uh, Starlink on on the coach, which worked awesome on that trip. Uh, I actually bought it while I was on the trip because I realized when I got out there and I was trying to do the show every day, we were fighting the internet so much that we ordered Starlink while I was on the road, and I put it on and I got it working, and um, it's actually getting better now and. Like I said, we've been dealing with so many outages on our fiber optic network here at the house in our office that I'm thinking about putting Starlink here and down at the warehouse. I hear you. So I guess the only thing I have to close out with is starting this Sunday. I was there for quite a while. I was doing that run that I called the Garden State Express, which was always light turned out to be like both ways that I was able to run seven weeks on three axes. And of course, you know, earned some pretty phenomenal fuel mileage while doing it, doing 3,840 miles a week. So I was moving speed wise, but even though I was light and you know, that doesn't satisfy everybody. They got to find the next thing. So now I'm going to start running a run. I'm calling the motor city express where I go from here to Charlotte to be a moderately loaded Great, generally. Then it's going to be heavy from there up to Detroit, up through West Virginia, your Ravenswood and all that. And then down back down here to Laredo, going to be hauling loads of engines. So that'll put the truck under a different test to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, that should be interesting. And speaking of talking, we talked ourselves right into some more calls. So we're going to go take them, I guess. Um, right here in Oregon, all Keith, right. welcome to the program. I sent your oil sample on Monday. Oh, Monday. Okay. Um, Morgan just found it for me. I I was wondering why uh, I didn't see an oil sample, but Morgan just got it to me. Okay. So um, you've got an MX-13. We were just speaking of pack car engines. And for the most part, this isn't a horrible sample. No fuel dilution to speak of. Soot's pretty darn low. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of wear metals. Are you running the catalyst? Yes. Okay, so catalyst, that'll increase our wear metals a little bit, mostly iron, so we're seeing some elevated iron, but that's no big deal. I do see your silicon was 6, 8, 9, and now 10. You've got to start figuring out why silicon is going up. It's not high enough to cause a problem yet, but it will if it keeps going. 10 is our limit. I don't want to see a group over 10. So we have to figure out where that so dirt's coming from. Air, air intake system. Okay. Could be anywhere in the entire air intake system that we're getting dirt into the engine. Okay. And then, and the titanium? Well, hold on. I'm going to come back to the titanium. Henry, go ahead. Okay. The one thing while you're on silica that I'm always careful of when I have a sample valve on the side of my engine to get it when it's running, when I purge a little bit out, but I'd be, I'm always very careful to make sure I have the air conditioner off and that that engine fan does not come on because if that engine fan comes on while you're taking a sample, being you're measuring parts per million, it will throw your silica way up every time. 
and there was nothing wrong with the trip. Yeah, this is a clear enough pattern that's going up slowly that something's going on here. So I would check. We caught it early. That's the beauty of doing an oil sample. I have seen a problem like this so simple, wipe out an engine. You will destroy cylinder kits if you don't catch this. So the good news is you caught it really early and we have time to go fix it. Um, Let me address the titanium on these these four samples, was it always the same oil? Um, yes. Okay, that's odd, but I'm, I'll tell you what's happening. A lot of oils really don't have much titanium at all, and this is one of them. Some oils use titanium as an additive, and then you'll see really high numbers, and you can see numbers all over the board. So we ignore them. I will tell you this whole section where it says multi-source metals or additive metals. Those two sections, I ignore them. I don't even look at them. I've asked them really to take them off the the sample. I don't know anybody that uses them. This is just another case. There's a little bit of titanium in this oil. Remember, we're talking about parts per million. So you had one sample where it was three. That's just some weird trace. Then you had 28. Again, it's just a weird trace. Then it went down to three, and now it's at one. Uh, it, it, just ignore it. Just ignore it. This is why I wish they would take this off the sample, because I waste so much time trying to explain this over and over and over. And not once in 20 years of reviewing oil samples have I ever used this information. Good to know. Now, the problem you do now the problem you do have is you are going through base quickly. So I would try cha- what oil are you running? Uh, it doesn't tell me on here. Why are you running a 1040 by the way? What year is this truck? It's a 18. You should be running a 1030. Okay. So I would switch brands too. whatever brand you're using. Just try something different. Sometimes the base holds up better in different oils, um, but we, we would look at combustion here. Combustion is not complete. That's why we deplete the base so fast. Are you using the catalyst? Okay. Did I ask that? I am. Okay. Yeah. I'm using the catalyst, and I, I had some pretty severe engine problems. Turned out I needed a new ECM and a, a second turbo actuator in the last year and a half. Yeah, that'll cause incomplete, so could very well cause incomplete burn. Um, okay. Hmm. When was the last time the overhead was set? Uh, it's been over a year. Oh, it's time. You know, okay. I... I Henry, have you have you noticed that it's almost like a lot of the manufacturers have almost downplayed the need to set the overhead? We don't talk about it nearly as much as we used to. I think Cummins claims theirs goes like a half a million miles or something now. I, I don't believe them. I, I don't believe them. Well, they're the one wanting it, so... It's pretty well holding up that way. What made me mad is on mine, I did mine at 100000 and nothing was wrong. 
And afterwards, I got the talk to them. They said, yeah, you don't have to do it, but every half million now. Except we're finding that in many cases, these new engines are more sensitive to the overhead set than they used to be. When you go in and you get it right, and yours may be right and it may be holding, but that's not common. Not at all. Right. The, the, the biggest thing is to make sure, because they're right when you get them. I know that there. Because I've been there where they're done. There's no way to mess that up. Something else happened, right? So as long as nothing changed in your numbers, you know, your somebody's oil sampling, you're checking your fuel mileage, you got all those patterns. Yeah, if something's changing, that's one of the first things I look at. But just to do it, just to do it, not so quick. No, I never say do it to just to do it. He's got a problem that could very well be overhead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're not. Oh, yeah. No, I'm agreeing we're, with that. Yeah, we're, we're depleting base, and that is that is 100% combustion. I, I mean, the issue is oh, yeah. if, if you are depleting base, it is because of combustion. That's where you look. That's the root cause. And right. poor combustion oh, yeah. leads to, yeah, yeah. So and and you've you've already said you're you're about at a year and if we're going to see an overhead problem it, that's usually about when we start to see them. We've had two calls today that I believe an overhead will improve things. Right. The overhead in a little heavy. Yes. <laughs> work on it. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's. Uh, hey, Henry. Yeah. So, you know, I've been holding this uh, little debate over on Twitter while we're talking. That's the nice thing about having guests and co-hosts. You're really a co-host. You're not a guest anymore. Um, it gives right. me I, I can, you know, tune out for a little while. I know you're handling the call. So I'm having this discussion. So, you know, yeah. I, I've been trying to convince them it really makes sense to treat the broker like a customer. It just here's the response. So at this point, I have to stop debating with somebody. We're not really arguing. Nobody's calling anybody names. It's actually good discussion. Um, but here's their take on this. And at some point, you just have to realize you're not going to change somebody's mind. Here it is. You can spin it any way you like. You always will. They're middlemen. Telling them they're the customer gives them too much power. That's easy to see. Good job, guys. Not. that. That's their attitude. I'm, I'm never going to change that thought process. Where do you begin with? I mean, you know, just growing up in general, I was always taught, which is similar to keeping the customer happy. You know, whoever's writing out the checks to you, <laughs> that's the person you want happy, right? Well, that that is your customer. You can call them a middleman exactly. all you want, but the one way here's two sentences on how to succeed in business. Provide maximum value to your customer. That's sentence number one. Provide maximum value to your customer. Sentence number two, and there's only two rules. You have to know who your customer is. Every business has a customer. So if we are going to say the broker is not a customer, then who is our customer? How can we succeed if we can't identify who our customer is? I guess this is sort of going through that 
same mentality that gets people like it's just reminding me of the article it it's the price of being cool you know that's why they drive a five mile gallon truck whatever they're not running their business at that point it is the feature article in overdrive this month it, it just made me think of that could be the same person making that statement Exactly. So here, here, you know, I I just said I was going to stop this debate because I'm obviously not going to change their mind, but I just thought of a really simple question to ask them. So I just asked them, okay, tell me who your customer is then. Because if you can tell me who your customer is, I can tell you how to succeed every time. But if you can't tell me who your customer is, you don't have a prayer. Well, yeah, we're... Where, whose name's on the check? That's it. You're right. There's, okay, we can add a third sentence because some people aren't able to figure out who their customer is. So here's how you do it. Look at the check you deposited yeah. in your business account. Whoever signed that check and paid you, that's your customer. That's it. It's that simple. Which means if you're leased to a carrier, who's your customer? The carrier. And how many people treat their carrier like a true customer? (laughs) Almost none. They call them names. They bitch about them constantly and call them horrible names. And yet continue to Mm -hmm. contract with them every day. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it. Man, my God. The definition of insanity earlier? Yeah. Well, we. I think I'm going to turn the phones off here in a second. It's Friday, and this was my birthday week. I'm supposed to still be on vacation, and we just got flooded well, with calls. Birthday. Yeah, thanks. That's right. It was your birthday. Yeah, I just had them myself, too. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get to some calls. Let's go to New Jersey. Danny, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin, and I want you to know that you kept provoking me because I am very much aware of your birthday. <laughs> I want to say good morning to you. Good morning. Hey, good morning to Henry. I want to say good morning to Henry, and I appreciate your hard work. Um, because, see, I, I just want to I, – I, I, I've been trying to thread a needle since my first call because one thing – I know what um, – how I can affect people, you know, because a lot of people just don't want to connect the dots. But like I said the other day, Kev, I started, you know, when Jimmy Carter was president and then went, thank God, was able to make it through partially of the Reagan years. But what I'm trying to get in those days right there, it was a bottom up mentality. You had the old, I had the older generation that was, they didn't have much of a problem to say, hey, what do you think you're doing over there? You know what I mean? And question you or more or less try to give you advice. And, you know, I'm from, you know, New Jersey and New Jersey has a, you know, we have our own ideologies. And that was one thing that really uh, fascinated me once I did start going over the road and, you know, on how people the same thing a little bit differently but you know when you get to the broker you know the broker's not to blame see because what these individuals that you're talking to on twitter can't understand 
is that if, if we're not starting out in this industry, which I believe is one of the, the most, it's the best industry. And because why? You have to understand that you're striving to be an entrepreneur. So you have to take the steps. And I use brokers. And what I realized at the time when I was using brokers is that you had to identify yourself differently from the masses. And that, and you know, it's, it's simplistic. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, I'm a great. I said, well, yeah. But it, as simplistic as this is, it started with manners. You address the individual. Hello. I mean, I do that still to this day, no matter where I go. And really, no matter who it is, because we're all fighting this same battle right now. But if you're not willing to, you know, to do, and I don't want to call it the hard work, but it's not really the hard work, but to have an understanding on what your goal is. But they're talking about associations and everything. That's not a business model, in my opinion. Because early on, I was encouraged to join OIDA. And I was encouraged to join OIDA because they could lobby in Washington, uh, D.C. How did that work out? <laughs> that didn't work out so good. And, you know, Kev, yesterday you talked about regulations and everything. And, you know, I've always paid attention and, you know, and I told you why last week. But I broke out my book that J.J. Uh, Keller's um, printed on the Motor Carrier Safety Report, CSA 2010. If you just read the introduction and, and then, you know, and then dovetail to where we are right now, we're in serious, serious times. See, I, you know, going through the, um, you know, 2000, you know, the, the Carter years into the Reagan years, I even went, I, I pulled up Art Laffer yesterday on YouTube because he was the advisor to Reagan under the Laffer curve. And he, one thing very smart about him, he wouldn't, uh, what you call it, go into the administration because he was a free spirit. He understood things that needed to be done. But, you know, we were less than a trillion dollars in debt in those years. Right now with $31 trillion and they're talking about, because all this green new deal stuff by 2050 being $50 trillion in debt, those are real numbers. So, you know, I, I just want to, I, I, I want you to be able to enjoy the rest of your video, but if, if you could just, have you ever heard of Catherine Austin Fitz? Doesn't sound familiar, no. Solari, S-O-L-A-R-I. Nope. This is, you know, she, she is, I mean, there are more women on, well, there, there are some women on the front line educating exactly where we are. I'm, I'm just going to give a brief bio on her. She was a, uh, I had to write it down. Uh, and she also comes up on YouTube over uh, under Financial Rebellion. And that, that's a YouTube channel. When, and there's uh, three women, but she was a investment advisor. And then she wound up in uh, 
George Bush's administration, George uh, Walker Bush. Okay. And she was, uh, she was assistant secretary to HUD. And I think you see the information that you provide is just off the charts. And if I can encourage anybody that what needs to be done is you need to be supported by purchasing from the store and not only you, but your partners, because what's happening right now, we've never been in this climate before because of the amount of debt that this nation has taken on. And just to dovetail to another point, you know, we're the only nation to my knowledge to where you could apply for credit. And now, hey, hey before, before, before before you go off on sorry. tangents, let, let's stick with the everybody go to the support and the store and support me. Let, let's stick with that one for a while. I kind of like that one. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I do appreciate I'm it. Really. Uh, yeah. No, it's. I, 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 I want to say why. Because you did the hard work. And Kev, you had a call two weeks ago. I told my wife this was the. When the call came in, and it was about salting meat, and I'm not sure if you said you had 10 pounds of salt. I mean, I got to laugh because it's beautiful. I'm not sure if you said you had 10 pounds of salt or if you had two five-gallon pails of salt. I have a, I do have one five-gallon pail of salt, and it probably weighs about 40 or 50 pounds. Maybe more. Any damn heavy. You know what that tells me, Kev? Because of what you have brought in a very systematic way to this airwaves is that you went through the goalpost, if you use a football analogy, because everything that you achieved was through hard work and being focused. See, and, and that needs to be appreciated because we're, the climate that we're in right now they're picking, they've been doing it for a long time. They're picking winners and losers. Absolutely. And it goes in very, very small increments. Like my first call to you, Kev, I, I kind of laid an outline to how I got to a point, you know, to where I, I was, go ahead. But, it, it, but not only, I, I want to go back to supporting the store. Because even the caller that just called a couple callers ago about, you know, the doctors, you don't want to be in this traditional medical system. And if you just listen to who comes to the airwaves on Wednesday, Dr. Jack Wilson, Dr. Ken Berry, uh, I mean, you can go right on, Dr. Um, oh, for crying out loud. Yeah, we've got lots of them. Lots of them. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. Yeah, but why Why are they on that side of the street? Because they know they better. They've, they've experienced. They yep, that's right. Hey, hey, Danny, I'm looking at the board. The calls just keep piling up on us, so uh, we're going to get to them. What just happened here? Robert, are you on with us? I am. I, I have no idea how that yes, happened. Sir. That was weird. So normally the process is I drop one call, which requires a click, and then I bring on a new call, which requires a click. But somehow 
I did something that did it all in one step. Not sure how I did that. Hmm. Hmm. But can you repeat it? That's a good question. I don't think I can because I have no idea what I did. It's kind of nice. I should figure it out maybe. Um, Robert, go ahead. You're here, so let's talk. Your your, uh, opinions and your criticism of PACCAR I've got over a million miles on a pack car. It's treated me exceptionally well, better than any of the other trucks in the fleet. It's done fantastic. The Kenworth dealership has taken awesome care of me. They know how to spec the truck, and I have good re- I, I respect the Volvo architect. I respect the Volvo motor. I think it's a notch above the pack car, but only one notch. I would have a Volvo if I had a dealership like Oh, that's a good point. That, that's that's absolutely a good point. We talk about that all the time. But let me tell you what, what you're experiencing. And it, it doesn't make it wrong. What you're experiencing is not wrong at all. But let me tell you what why you seem to be like so contrarian on this. What your experience is, what we call anecdotal evidence, and I'm using empirical data. So your anecdotal evidence, and again, it's correct, it's real, is your experience. The empirical data that I'm looking at is on thousands of those trucks, and that pattern does not hold up at all. It's not even close. It doesn't mean you're wrong. You're not. That's your experience, and it's real, and it's correct. But it is not the empirical data. I know as many good experiences from people around me with Packard Motors more than failures. Again, that that again, I, I will still say that is anecdotal evidence. Those are five or ten or twenty people you've talked to. Maybe they all use the same dealer, the same shop, and and that's the common denominator. But I can tell you the numbers, the empirical data does not hold true on this. They do not get good fuel economy. They do have higher maintenance costs. So the, the data's out there. Listen to me. Listen to me. I knew I wouldn't convince you, but I wanted you to hear another side. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me give you another example of this that I argued with people for years. When I still had... When I'm I, done. I'm done. I've made my point. Have a good day, Kevin. Okay. I will. You have a good day, too. Well, um, well, but let me give you another example of this. Go ahead, Henry. Want to hear more of the story on because everybody always asks me how those engines are doing, and I'm like, you know, you just don't really ever hear much one way or the other. And I was ready to hear his story, but he left too soon. And again, I, I it is anecdotal, and many times we don't get enough data to figure out why it happens to work in these off cases. Oh, yeah. So. So here's another example. When I still had trucks and I was contracted to FedEx and I was on the air and I was active in social media and I was doing um, seminars and all the stuff you do and you're out in the public eye and you get haters. I have lots of them. They would always try to use the fact that I was contracted to FedEx against me somehow. 
like, oh, you're you're contracted to that company that always is in the ditch all winter long. Wait a minute. We have empirical data here for miles traveled. FedEx is one of the safest fleets in the country, always has been. Why is there that impression then that they're in the ditch all winter long? Well, two reasons. One, they pull doubles. You're going to put doubles in the ditch more often than you're going to put single trailers in the ditch. Just physics. That's one reason, but that's only the small part of it. The bigger part is how many miles they travel. So much more than many other fleets. You say, well, I never see Heartland in the ditch or whoever it happens to be. Okay, go look at the stats, though. For the number of miles traveled, FedEx was actually far safer than the fleet you're contracted to that you think is so safe. Well, I, I sort of run into this one different times because I get around tow truck guys. And, you know, I do some spokesperson work for Freightliner. And you'll get around these tow truck. Well, I tow more freight. Of course they do. And I always look at them. Of course they do. Right. Of course, there's going to be more Freightliners towed. There's more Freightliners sold. Freightliners complete more miles than any other brand. Of course, they're going to get towed more. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's just, uh, we just have to be careful of that. Now, it doesn't mean that anecdotal evidence isn't good. We use it constantly on this show. Every time somebody calls and says keto, carnivore, this worked, this helped, that's all anecdotal. The difference is over the last eight years, I have tens of thousands of those now. So anecdotal evidence can be valuable. We just have to be careful how we interpret it. Sure. All right, let's go to uh, Texas because the calls keep coming in. John, welcome to the program. Hey, guys, appreciate it. Um, I heard you talking about uh, doing overhead on a Freightliner, and I just thought I'd tell you my experience with uh, my truck. This is a 2014 with a DD-15, and I bought it at uh, half a million miles. I had all the maintenance records, and it had been set at uh, 475. They did the overhead. Well, I've always tracked my fuel mileage really close and uh, did oil samples and nothing really ever changed. So I never opened it up. I just thought I didn't want to open it up any more than I had to. Tracked it, tracked it, you know, and well, now it's got about nine. uh, I think it had about 973 whenever I noticed my fuel mileage started to drop a little bit. And I noticed in the way it would start, it. It when it would used to take maybe two revolutions, it might take three before it would fire. And uh, I did the overhead myself, and it, and it was too tight. The intake was too tight, but the exhaust and the uh, engine brakes were almost perfect after all those miles. But so that's my been my experience with it. I I still think it's one of those things we shouldn't just ignore and only do it when they tell us to as scheduled maintenance. And and like Henry said, when there's an issue, if there's an issue that wasn't happening before and it is now and it could be related to overhead, it's one of those troubleshooting steps that eh, we should probably be doing it anyway. If you think you've got a problem and you can't figure out anything else, well, let's start there. Right. Well, that's what I say. I was tracking it, and and when I did notice 
you know, a little drop in, in fuel mileage and the, and the harder starting, that's when I thought, well, I know it's time anyway. So yeah, that's, I, that's what I found. I thought it was pretty good. The exhaust and the, uh, and the, and the engine brakes were almost perfect. Excellent. All right. Good stuff. Let's go to very good. West Virginia. Randy, welcome to the program. Hey, I want to talk to you about customer service. Yes. I'm a company driver, but everywhere I go, I take a bag of Lifesavers, orange-flavored Lifesavers, that I buy every week from Dollar General. I buy about 10 bags. I give everybody that I deal with a bag of mints. I'm going to okay. tell you what. People love me. Isn't it so simple? It costs $2.50 $2. a bag. It was $1.75 when I started now, six years ago. Now, let me, let me address what you're doing there. I, I will claim that you are providing more value to your customer, not the shipper, not the people you're meeting on the docks. They're not your customer. They didn't pay you, but they are your customer. Right. They are your customer's customer. Right, right. They are your customer's customer. The person that pays you is your carrier. Even though you're an employee, you're treating it like a business, which is smart. You're saying, I, I might be an employee, but I'm not going to treat them like my employer. I'm going to treat them like my customer. They have a customer. One of the ways I can provide value to my customer is by providing value to their customer, which is what you're doing in a very, very simple, effective right. way. I want to ask Henry a question. Did you get that picture of me with a tie on, buddy? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I did. Well, I just had it on there just for you. (laughs) There you go. And I got, you know, I think when you do that with, with the tie, you know, like, uh, I have a lot of drivers. Say, what do you think you're better than the rest of us? Nope, but I want the customer to think so. Oh, I like that. I'm hey, like, you know what? I'm like, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'll do that I, next week. I can be pretty arrogant at times. So if somebody said to me, do you think you're better than we are? I would say at business and customer service, absolutely, I do think I'm better than you are. Doesn't make me a better person. That that that's not what I'm talking about. It doesn't make me a better person. But if you want to know the truth, yeah, I do believe I'm better at this than you are. Well, who would you want all of you afraid, Henry or some guy that that every time he bends over, you see the crack of his butt? And he's always bitching about lumpers and shippers and brokers and truck stops charging him too much. And, yeah, it's constant complaint. Who wants to deal with that crap? Bring Henry Henry on, right? Yeah, or or bring bring in the guy with the orange lifesavers. There you go. Yeah. And I'll tell you something else. Not really good to people that really treat me good. I mean, really treat me good. I'm a beekeeper, and I carry a case of honey with me all the time. Oh, oh, oh I give yeah. Them, I give them a jar of honey, too. There you go. And boy, let me tell you something. Absolutely. When I go One back, of the places where I used to start to do that, there used to be a place every time you fueled, they gave you a six-pack of soda with every 50 gallons. And if you went to 100 or 150 gallons, they give you three six-packs. Well, I didn't drink that much soda. But boy, the forklift operators at the yards, I was oh, yeah. Thrilled to have them. Yeah. Yep. 
So simple. I went, I went to a Bridgestone plant, and I had a 10 o'clock appointment. I got there like 10 minutes to 7. And I would go there all the time. And the guy, he says to me, he says, Randy, you, you got a 10 o'clock appointment. I said, oh, man, I, I didn't even look at that. I just thought it was 7. He said, but I tell you what, in 10 minutes you can back in there because whoever's got the 7 ain't here. If they don't come in the next 10 minutes, it's back in there. So I backed in in 10 minutes. In another five minutes, here comes this other truck. And he said, I got a 7 o'clock appointment. And that guy said, well, you should have been here at 7. And he, he unloaded me. He, he wouldn't have done that if I hadn't, you know, been nice to him. Well, that's all part of it. It's a similar situation I had a few weeks ago. My gosh, what was I? I actually got there the night before because things worked out. But my appointment wasn't until that evening. And they ended up unloading me in the morning. But you know what? Before they agreed to unload me, I let them know I was there. I checked in. But and a lot of the drivers, for some reason, thought that their parking lot's where they should deposit all their trash. I went around with some trash bags and oh, started man. cleaning up the lot because I had nothing else to do. Next thing I know, they're putting me in a dock. Was it tied together? I don't know. But, you know, it worked out. Yeah. You know, one, I, one, of my, one of my favorite accounts when I had my own authority I had an account out of Cleveland and they made um, the tiny little starter pots that nurseries use. And all these nurseries were tiny little mom and pop places out in the country. I mean, it was it was challenging sometimes um, the places you had to go. But I loved this. I, I, I might get six or seven stops on and it, the load would be scheduled to take like four days to complete. There were times I was able to complete it in two. Forget hours of service right now. Um, don't try to do the math on me because it won't work out. But you could call these places and I could say, hey, look, um, I could be there at 4 a.m. Is there any way for me to get a, Oh, sure. We'll get up and help you. And they would. They'd be there at 4 a.m. and we'd unload. And, and I'd be able to eliminate two stops before most places were even open. But it was cooperation. It was, you know, I would go back to the same places. I was always nice to them. If they wanted me to stack it somewhere over in the corner, I would, whatever it took. And that was an awesome account. I loved that freight. One of the things, Kevin, I've liked about having, you know, these rafts that I've dug into the ground with, I have still multiple places now, but when I flatbed and I had a lot of places that gave me a key to their gate and their forklift. Yeah. Yeah. I just leave the paperwork and keep on getting. Uh, absolutely. You, know, but you don't just give that to you, you, They got to have a, some faith in you to do that. When I did P&D work, I used to have all kinds of stops where even if I didn't have freight for them that day, I could back up to their dock and grab their, not even ask anybody, just back up to the dock, jump on the tow motor, rearrange all my stops so that I, I could get it all set up the way I wanted it and leave and sometimes never even talk to anybody. I had multiple stops I could do that at. That's, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. One of my it, customers sent my granddaughter a Christmas present. <laughs> there you go. That That's when you know you've got a good it's relationship. Yeah. Yes, sir. You got that right. But I just want to share that with y'all. Y'all take care and uh, 
keep up the good work. Great, great stuff. Thanks for the call. All right, Henry, we are done this time. All right. Well, that's good because you probably got an echo now. My headset just died in the middle of the end of that call. Now, actually, you sound pretty good. Still, still good quality. All right. Good call today. All right, uh, Henry, as always, thanks for your input. Great stuff. And we'll do it again next week. Yeah, let's find out uh, when uh, Joel's birthday is and get him a cell signal booster. <laughs> he's definitely. There you go. This is a big party, right? That's, that's right. <laughs> Take care. That's right. All right, we'll see you next week. Be safe. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.